Hey guys, welcome back to the Plant-Based Body Podcast. My name is Steph Sanzaro and I am your host. In today's episode, I'm joined by Amina King, a beautiful young lady that is living with endometriosis. Endometriosis is a chronic illness that affects 1 in 10 women, and I myself have been affected by it too. When I was 16, I had exploratory surgery to find and remove my endometriosis, only to be told that there was nothing there. I was told that I had to go on the pill to regulate my pain, and that was all that we could do, until the age of 19, when they discovered that I had PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Now, both of these chronic illnesses affect women everywhere, and the side effects and the symptoms are horrible. And many women feel like they are alone and that they are basically not real women. Their bodies don't work the way that other women's do and it can feel awfully alone. So that's what today's episode is all about. It's about raising awareness so that women out there know that they are not alone. So please welcome Amina King. Let's begin by explaining what endometriosis is and take me through when you were first diagnosed. Okay, so endometriosis is a chronic illness and it is when the tissue that is similar to the lining of the uterus, so it's called the endometrium, it grows in places outside of the uterus. So it can be like on uh, your tubes, like your ovaries, but it can also be like in the abdomen and it can grow on your bowels and your bladder. And even some rare cases, they've um, found people who it grows like on their lungs and their really? thoracic cavity. Yeah. Mm. Wow. So it's, it can basically grow anywhere. I yeah. did not know that. Mm. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. So that tissue um, still reacts the same way as the lining of the uterus does when girls have their periods. So when you have your period, that lining obviously sheds and that's what your period is, except when you have endometriosis and it grows in other places, it still sheds, but it has nowhere to go. So then that creates things called lesions. So they're like scars. So, yeah, it's sort of like bleeding Whoa, internally. It is. Mm. And is that what causes the pain? That's what causes the pain yeah. and the inflammation. It's a very inflammatory process. Wow. Mm. Okay. I had no idea. I, I thought it was simply growing on the outside of the uterus, mm. not on the inside. Mm. Wow. Okay. Yes. So. And what does that feel like for you? Um, so myself it is quite painful like during my period obviously Mm. and I can get quite inflamed and uh, we call it endo belly (laughs) so it sort of looks like you're quite pregnant but it's basically the inflammation and the swelling that is caused by that tissue that is bleeding and responding to the hormones that you know are through your body with your period so how long has that been going on for um, so I was diagnosed officially with endometriosis when I was 19 years old. Yeah. And the only way that you can get diagnosed at this point in time is through a laparoscopy. So keyhole surgery. Yeah. Mm. So it's quite an invasive uh, procedure. And there's no screening tests, no, no scans, no blood tests at this point in time. Wow. You have to go through that 
invasive procedure to get mm. diagnosed. That's so, horrible. Yeah, I know. It's quite intense. Yeah. Um, but, so that yeah. happened when you were 19? Yeah, so I was diagnosed officially when I was 19. So that's coming up like about a year and a half, almost two years ago now. So, but yeah, I've experienced the endometriosis symptoms ever since I had my first period, which was when I was 14 years old. Wow. Mm. And what, what symptoms are they? So, uh, there's quite a lot of symptoms. For myself, I experienced um, quite heavy bleeding, like during my period, um, very painful periods, like cramping, um, also fatigue. Um, yeah. Yeah, really, really fatigued. Um, and there's other symptoms out there that can be um, such as a painful sex, um, also things like um, uh, like you can have like low iron because you're bleeding like a lot, like all of the heavy bleeding. Mm. Um, yeah, there's there's lots and wow. lots of different symptoms out there. It's yeah. not just one thing. No. It's not like oh. Well, to be honest, uterus is the lining's all messed up, but that's not the end of it. There's yes. a lot more. No, lots, lots more. Yes. Yeah. Oh, mm. And how many women is this affecting? So um, the statistics are it affects one in ten uh, Australian women. And so that actually adds up. Lot. Yeah, it adds up to 176 million women. And why don't people know about this? Um, it's crazy that people don't know about this because when you actually add up the statistics, um, about 11% of people suffer from this disease, endometriosis, and then you can compare it to other things like people who have diabetes, say, mm. or asthma, and the people who have the people in that percentile are sort of more on the you know nine seven percent. Wow. So yeah, there's it's a lot more people that have it. Yeah. So like, so many people I've spoken to have never heard of it before. Mm. And me myself, when I got diagnosed, I had no idea what it was. No, it, of course not. Yeah. So it was really crazy to find out about something mm. that I had no idea yeah, even how existed. Yeah. about it? Like. Um. Well, at the time, my uh, specialist who I saw who diagnosed me, he sort of said like, oh, we've gotten rid of it. Like, you'll be right. Like, I might see you like when you're in your late 20s, when you want to get pregnant, like you'll be fine. Yeah. And so that's sort of what I thought yeah. was going to happen. But then about a year after my diagnosis and the removal of the endometriosis, I started to experience my symptoms again. Oh my God. So I was like, well, obviously, you know, something's up. Yeah. And so that's when I decided to research a lot into it myself. And I found there's a whole community like mm-hmm. out there of other girls and women who have endometriosis. And I basically, you know, learned about it myself yeah. by researching and yeah. I quickly realized that there is so much to this <laughs> disease and so, so many much. things that it affects yeah, yeah. so mm. well beautiful that you've found a community yeah to reach out to especially mm. I know it's the same with PCOS there's beautiful yeah. ladies on Instagram mm. you know giving tips and tricks and yeah just sharing the struggle more mm. so yeah you know you can relate to people yeah because I know myself when I first got diagnosed I felt quite alone and isolated and yeah. like something was wrong with me so yeah, yeah to actually find women 
out there some that are like you know very close to where you live which is great and you can catch up with them and you know just like exchange stories and yeah tips and tricks like you said to help you know sort of make it a bit better and make every day a bit easier so yeah yeah it's nice to know that you're not alone Mm. which yeah it's it's a massive part of the disease I think you feel quite isolated Yeah. yeah how has that been for you mentally um like definitely hard like when I first found out about it and I had no idea what this was and I did start researching into it it was only sort of scraping the surface of what it actually was and the fact that it does affect so many sort of other aspects of my life like you know like my sleep because I'm affected by fatigue and you know like it's very hard with like relationships like I'm in a relationship but you know it's not always easy because you know sex can be painful and like those sort of things so it's quite like it's it's quite daunting sometimes it's a lot to take on board and I think for me um like the biggest thing that like still scares me too is another symptom of endometriosis can be infertility so and that's for me like a very very scary thing yeah so so that yeah. means that it will be difficult or possibly impossible yes. to not have a child. Mm. So um, another thing with endometriosis is that there are four stages of it. So okay. you can have stage one, which is mild, and stage two, which is moderate, and then stage three and four are more so like extremely severe. Um, and myself, I am uh, moderate, so about stage two. So. Um, the likelihood of me sort of becoming pregnant in the future is it's still possible but it's definitely a big question mark so you just don't know mm, and I've been told by specialists that that you know to have babies now like if you want your if you want your best chance to To have a family to do it now and how old are you now I'm 21 so so that's a pretty big decision to make at 21 yeah are there um, other options for you? Um, so you can do things like IVF mm-hmm. um, and that sort of thing. And uh, usually if you want to get pregnant or have a family, you will your specialist will tell you to go and have surgery. So they will clean it all out. Okay. And so usually after you have surgery and they clean it all out, um, you it doubles your chance of getting pregnant naturally. So okay. Yeah, it's basically uh-huh. because the disease, it just grows it just on everything. Mm. Okay. Yeah, so and it's really important too because um, there are two types of uh, like surgery for endometriosis. So you have excision, which is basically cutting it out completely. Jeez. Or you have uh, ablation surgery, which is basically like burning it or, you know, like sort of zapping it with whatever energy source so it's sort of like you know a tree if you think about it if you know you want to get rid of a tree you want to get rid of it and its roots and its roots yeah you don't just want to you know burn it off yeah trim the top of it yeah or like a weed you could think of it like that so yeah and it's really important in my opinion to find a really good excision excision surgeon Mm -hmm. because you don't want it to keep coming back because a bad weed. yeah it's yeah a bad pretty weed. much yeah <laughs> so yeah 
That's horrible. Mm. I know what it's like to be told that you might not be able to have children. Mm. And it's horrible. And yeah. I just remember crying. And yeah. Crying. I know. It's horrible. It is. It's like... I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I know. It is. It's horrible because it's sort of like... Well, the way I think about it, it's like us as women, we're put on this earth, you know, to, to, have a baby. <laughs> to reproduce, to have babies. And it's sort of, you know, when you're told that that might not be a possibility or that... Mm you know it's not going to be easy then you know it's quite hard oh yeah it affects yeah yeah like yeah even though like you said I'm 21 it's definitely I'm about to I don't think it matters how old you are though if you're told that you can't have a baby at any age it's kind of Mm. like well I guess I'm I don't function I don't work properly yeah I'm not a real girl yeah like Yeah. yeah I'm not you know doing what I'm supposed to be doing mm. like yeah so yeah it's quite hard that way have they suggested um freezing eggs yeah that's definitely something else that you can do but that me being it's a really uni student yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me being a uni student <laughs> very expensive mm. so yeah I try not to let that sort of aspect of it affect me too much yeah. but it's sort of one yeah. of those things that I'm gonna have to face eventually yeah further down the road you can compartmentalize it for now mm. and then later on down the track you mm. can definitely face it and face the challenge when it comes to it yeah you know, hopefully you have no issues getting pregnant when mm. you want to yeah you know fingers crossed that's the way it works yeah yeah and if not well then that's the plan for you, you know? yeah yeah exactly it's not the end of the road yeah and I know so many like women in the community who um like are able to get pregnant still or they have these most amazing stories of you know finally getting the family that they've always wanted so I know that there's that's a possibility and there's hope out there for it so absolutely there is Mm. Right. <laughs> so you mentioned that you're studying at the moment. Yes. What are you studying? So I'm studying nursing. I'm currently in my third and final year, yeah. which is exciting. That's very exciting. So, yes. What made you want to get into nursing? Um, so my nana was a nurse, but uh, growing up, anybody who does know me, I was quite an accidental prone child. Really? Yes, sort of a walking accident. So I was in and out of hospital uh, from a very young age yeah. and I play netball. So a lot of the injuries would come from that. So <laughs> I've, I've dislocated things. I've broken bones. I've torn ligaments. I've done, Jesus. I've done it all. And so I've spent a lot of time in hospital myself. Yeah. But the one thing that you know when you're in hospital and when you're sick or you're not feeling the greatest the nurses in there are amazing and it's little things like I remember I was four years old and I got my tonsils out and the one thing that I wanted after I got out of it was a chocolate milkshake after my surgery and the nurse made sure that I got one and so that's like always stuck with me yeah that's it's just like little things like that and uh, I had my appendix out as well when I was 18 Gosh. So I've had it all. You've and had a rough go of it. Yeah, I remember um, I was in like a two bedroom when that happened, mm. and the lady next to me, she snored like any other. Oh, I, hate <laughs> I know, and okay. I, 
same here. I could not sleep to save my life. And the nurse um, who was on the night shift, she came in and she gave me a pair of like headphones, like a pair of earbuds to like put in my ears. And it's just like, thank you. Like you have made my life. <laughs> so like the little, you know, like random, you yeah, know. Yeah, you remember that sort of stuff. That's yeah. the stuff that sticks with you. Yeah. And so that's what you want to be for other people. Oh, 100%. If I can be that nurse that, you know, does these little random acts of kindness or makes your stay that one little bit better then that's like yeah job done <laughs> so, <great>. so, <laughs> so yes that's the hope yeah, yeah. well you're nearly there mm, so close <laughs> fingers crossed for you yes so you mentioned before that you and your endometriosis affects your sleep mm-hmm. i was wondering what else it affects in your day-to-day life like how does it impact your day So, uh, yeah, sleep's a really big thing, uh, because I wake up like in pain Mm. or, um, yeah, the fatigue sort of side of things. Like I struggle to stay awake, like after I get home from work. So then having naps then doesn't improve my sleep. It sort of makes it worse. So there's that aspect of it. Um, also, uh, my eating. So food is a massive part of endometriosis and I, um, have been trying my best. It's not always the easiest yeah, to, uh, I think that's a huge point. Yeah. So, um, because it is an inflammatory disease, there are a lot of foods out there that are inflammatory and they do aggravate the endometriosis so give me a few examples so um things i try to avoid are things like gluten Mm -hmm. um also dairy products which that's like one of the things i've struggled with the most i I bet that was one of the hardest things for me to give up yeah oh my god yeah i love my cheese and all of that (laughs) so it's really hard sometimes it can be done exactly yes you you are walking living proof (laughs) exactly (laughs) so um other things like like sugar like sugars um Caffeine, that's yeah, another hard one because I, I love coffee. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I changed to green tea initially and then I've actually started drinking decaf coffee now. Oh, okay. So I spoke to a dietitian and he said mm. that it was fine. Oh, wow. So now there I'm you like, go. well, yeah. I still get to have the taste of the coffee. The taste of coffee, yeah. But I'm now a wanker who orders decaf. Yeah. <laughs> My coffee no. order is about six sentences long. Oh, I know. And it's it's definitely <laughs> getting that way these days. But no, it's all, all for it. Like, okay, we've got to yeah. do these things for our health, don't we? 100%. Like it means that in the end, you're going to have a better outcome with your mm. endometriosis than yeah, yeah. fully. Yeah. What so, other things? Yes. What other things are there? Um, so there's also uh, soy. That's really bad. Really? Yeah. So I was really shocked by that. Um, yeah, it can be inflammatory. So okay. I try not to eat soy. Um, red meat, which that's obviously sort of the more like hormonal yeah. side of things. Yeah. You know. So yeah, um, I try. It's really hard for me to not eat meat because I I like it, but um yeah. try not to eat it more than once a week. Yeah. So and that's huge. Like mm. coming from someone who would have eaten meat every single day, pretty much now eating it once a week, and see mm. that can impact your iron levels as well. Oh yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. I I myself struggle with iron levels. Yeah. And I have to stay on top of my supplements. Yeah. Just because some bodies don't absorb it as well as others, mm. but especially when you've got a hormonal condition and. Yeah. periods all over the place yeah 
yeah i'm the same i have low iron too so it's hard and that yeah the fatigue (laughs) oh yeah they come hand in hand oh yeah double fatigue Mm. Mm -hmm. yes so yeah the food is a big thing for me yeah Yeah, of course so yeah how has that been you know developing new eating habits very hard like Mm. for me um it's yeah quite hard but i'm trying to just not be too hard on myself and trying to you know do little steps because yeah food has always been such a massive part of my life and i love my food so yeah yeah just try and take little baby steps whether it's you know yeah just from drinking you know like your two or three liters of water a day staying on top of that and making my smoothies for breakfast i love doing that and yeah just trying to cut out all of the sort of more dairy sugary things yeah. those are the things that I struggle with so yeah yeah well one step at a time mm, yes like you said small steps lead to sustainable change yeah that's what I found Definitely. is yeah if you try and cut it all out all at once you're just gonna fail mm. I remember when I was trying to figure out how to holistically get rid of my PCOS I wrote down on a piece of paper all the things that I had read and gathered and mm. everything And I put that piece of paper on my mirror Mm -hmm. and slowly over the span of probably one to two months, I would slowly start to implement one just every couple of days. And by every single time I would do that, I would highlight them. Mm -hmm. And so like that was one that I was getting under control. You know, oh, I've done that. Yeah. And then by the end of like the two months, I had all of them highlighted and I was like, all right, now I'm good. All right. This feels better because I've done it slowly. That's such a good idea. Yeah. I might steal that because yeah. I love that. I still do it now. Yeah. With like my goal setting. Mm. If I do like, you know, I had May and I wrote all my goals on it and then slowly over the last like month, I was able to like cross them off as yeah. I've done them and like there's a sense of achievement there as well. Oh yeah, that'd feel good being able to highlight oh, them yeah. off. Yeah. Such a list person. Yeah, I'm the same. <laughs> I love my highlighters. <laughs> oh, alrighty. So let's move on. Let's just say a young girl has just found out that she has endometriosis. Mm-hmm. What are your tips for her straight out? My tips for her are, first of all, to freak out and not to go into that mindset that there's anything wrong with you because you, you are, you're fine. It is, it is one thing that is, you know, unfortunately probably going to stick with you. For the rest of your life, because at this point in time, there is no cure for endometriosis. No, and that's huge. There mm. is no cure. Yeah, so um, that would be my first tip was just just don't freak out. And that trying to accept it also is a big thing too, that yes, this is going to be a part of your life now. Um, I would also say to get a really good GP and a really good specialist Um, who actually listen to you and who actually understand what the disease is because I honestly could not tell you the amount of GPs and specialists that I have gone through yeah Um, another massive thing for endometriosis is that it takes on average seven to twelve years to diagnose oh my goodness Mm, because I was told myself it took me about five years to be properly diagnosed Um, when I was first experiencing my symptoms like the pain and the heavy periods I was just like oh go to the doctors oh you've just got bad period pain 
Like, yeah. So it's very misunderstood, not just like throughout our, you know, community, but also like with health professionals, I think it's very misunderstood as well. Um, So yeah finding a gp that actually listens to you and understands the the disease yeah because i think if you were told oh you know that's just bad period pain you kind of would accept that oh my goodness yeah better oh yeah that's exactly you're living with that and you you know you're not seeking help or Mm. you actually need Mm. and obviously ultimately a surgery yeah you need to clean it out yeah that's exactly what happened to me too like I was told I had just, you've got bad period pains. So they whacked me on the pill and, you know, oh, hope that for the best. Band-aid? Oh, yeah, that's exactly right. It is a Band-Aid and, yeah. Let's cuff- talk about the pill. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about why they gave it to you mm-hmm. and are you on it now? Yes. So I was put on it, yeah, for the two reasons. Like they said that I had bad period pain. So, yep, here's the pill. And I also had shocking acne as well. So sort of two reasons why I got put on it. So um, I was put on the pill and I was on the pill uh, actually right up until about six months ago. And so then uh, my new GP that I go to see now, she wanted to take me off it just to see how I went. She's wow. like, you've been on it for so, so long. Let's yep. just see how you go. Brilliant. So um, that was fine. Um, yeah. After I got taken off it, my acne did come back though. Yeah. So, no surprise to me yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I got taken off the pill. My acne came back. Mm-hmm. Um, and that in itself, like for all those adult acne people mm-hmm. out there listening, you know, it's a struggle. Like it's oh, horrible. Yeah. It's yeah. on your face. It's the first thing that people see. Mm. And it, it leads to your self-esteem. Yeah, really low self-esteem. And it's definitely a blow to your confidence. Yeah. Because like you said, it's on your face and that's the first thing that people see. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And there's a lot of judgment involved in it as well. Mm. And of course, perhaps that person across from you isn't even thinking about it. But yeah. internally, your anxiety is telling you, mm. oh, this person thinks I'm unhealthy or dirty. Yeah, or, exactly mm. right. So, um, yeah, it came back and then uh my my periods sort of started to become a bit out of whack again too Mm -hmm. and i've always sort of been able to regulate my periods with the pill also of course so um, which i might just highlight for the listeners it isn't actually a real period it is a fake and false bleed mm -hmm. they regulate through menstruation and the sugar pills yes exactly um so yeah uh, I went back to my specialist and she put me on a different pill. Mm-hmm. So she said, we're going to try, you know, a different combination, um, see how that goes for your skin. So I've been back on the pill for about three months now. Skin so looks great. Yeah, I was going to say, it's Skin's t- thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I'm really happy that I'm at this stage now because, yeah, if you had seen me when back when I was 14 years old and three months ago, I was... Yeah definitely very low confidence low yeah self-esteem. it mm. just knocks yeah it does yeah it does. so yes um it's definitely uh one thing that they do use to treat endometriosis these days too yeah. because the hormones um apparently they like to directly sort of um target the endometri um and the endometrial mm-hmm. you know tissues so it sort of suppresses it well that's a good thing mm, it is a good thing so yeah but it's definitely 
it suppresses it so it's suppresses, a ba- it's, yeah. it's a band-aid and basically like you said as soon as you come off it your symptoms come back mm. yeah so, so yeah. it doesn't actually get rid of it so no. i think ultimately it is a girl's decision whether or not they want to do that or if they yeah. don't want to do that yeah but like we said before unfortunately there's no cure yet no exactly and we're just gonna have to keep using these things that do act like band-aids for the time being because there isn't a cure no and the pain is so goddamn bad oh yeah like I cannot tell you the amount of times that I have used the pill just to skip my period because I couldn't even bear the thought of having my period because of the pain and yeah so people just people out there wouldn't even understand what normal period pain is because some people don't experience even that no I know yeah it's crazy and yeah. yeah there's been a lot of situations where I have not been able to um like move or I haven't been able to pick myself up off the floor just because wow. of the amount of pain that yeah you know it takes over did I see recently that you were in hospital yeah so about just over a month ago I yeah had to be admitted to the hospital um had to go to ED because I had a really, really bad flare up. Mm. Um, so I was just at netball training on Thursday night. That's where I am every single Thursday night. Yeah. And um, I was due to have my period the day or two after. So um, I was just running around at training and it just hit me. Like it just felt like someone had stabbed me in my abdomen and yeah in my uterus and I just was hunched over in pain and I could tell that it was a flare-up because like I was saying before you get that endo belly that really 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 sore inflammated like tummy so yeah um I couldn't I was vomiting I was dizzy I couldn't stand so yeah I had to get Harry who's my boyfriend to take me to hospital because he was just Two, oh. 20 meters that way playing footy blessing. yeah he, oh. he is he's such a blessing so yeah it was very very scary because I have never gotten to that point like in my journey of having endometriosis to like go to hospital and then yeah. when I did get to hospital they were giving me endone like tablet after tablet and it wasn't wow. even touching the sides so oh. It was a scary thing for me and I know that I find myself quite lucky to actually live the lifestyle I do, like being able to play sport and things like that because I know so many women that are bed bound or they don't have jobs because they just live Yeah, they live every day in pain. So yeah. That's the reality of it. It is, yeah. Unfortunately. Mm. So there are people out there like and it is, it's a chronic illness. Yeah. People that are debilitated physically can't go to work yeah. and live their lives. Like how? Oh, bless yeah. my heart seriously goes out to those women. I know. Same here. I feel very fortunate to be able to have two jobs, be able to play sport, be able to live the life that I do because even though I am living with this illness, that there are so many other women out there that can't have jobs. They just don't, they can't have an income. They can't do anything. They are just on the couch in pain or on the floor in pain. So horrible. Mm, It is. It's very, very unfortunate. Mm. So sport, is that like, is exercise like good for it or? Yeah. So um, 
my specialists and my GP do say to me to exercise um, because there is a lot of pain involved with it. Um, I do play netball myself, but um, I'm recommended to do yoga. Oh, yeah. So, yes, yoga is a very, very good thing to do for women who have endometriosis. Have tried it oh, yes, I love yoga. Oh, <laughs> so. Well, I'm definitely, you're the right person to talk to. Yes. I am going to do a yoga teaching course in India. Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited. How exciting. And I don't do yoga. Well, it mm-hmm. is amazing. But I've just, I just, I've heard so many reviews like oh, that, and I just yeah. know that it's going to be amazing. Oh, it so will I'm be. So I'm like, well, I just want to do it all. Yeah, honestly, it's like once you start, you won't, won't be able to stop. It's just, oh, yeah. It oh, it's just so great for so many different things. Yeah. Like, um, at the start, it's a bit hard to sort of, um, sort of stay calm and do all the poses and it looks easy like if you're looking at people doing yoga you're like oh yeah I can do that that's just a stretch oh yeah that's yeah exactly that's just a stretch but then my god I remember the first time I did it with one of my friends and we were both like literally shaking and there's all of these other ladies around us who were like so zen like stretched out (laughs) killing it and then we're like shaking can't even hold one normal pose so yeah it's very good for your flexibility yeah yeah, your muscle strength and also um the meditation side of yoga is amazing and learning how to just sort of lay there whether it's whatever pose you're just laying there um and letting go of all your thoughts and just clearing your mind it's it does take practice Mm -hmm. to be able to do that but then once you learn how to do that it's very 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 zen and very great yeah oh, i'm all about that <laughs> yeah so That's am i so great so yeah i've just started Definitely. getting into meditation yeah it sometimes it can make me feel really emotional mm. other times so like cathartic because it feels like a weight has been lifted off me oh god yeah it's like i've yeah. let something go mm. so really is yeah. yeah i'm very into the mindfulness at the moment do you yes. find you are as well oh yes so i remember well last year um in my second year of nursing um i did a mental health placement and so um yeah i was on a uh, ptsd ward there <sighs> and they use mindfulness as a massive part of their rehabilitation yeah and this was the first time I'd ever found out or heard about mindfulness was on this placement and um yeah I was introduced to it and yeah like you said it just it takes you like to these places and yeah you can just get rid of so many like thoughts and emotions through mindfulness and yeah just being aware and being in that moment is yeah, it's such a powerful tool. It's so mm. powerful. Mm. That's amazing. So yeah, no, I try to meditate every morning, like even if it's just for five minutes, just before I get up for the day, because yeah. Go girl. <laughs> I try anyway. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. How often are you doing yoga? Um, so I'm doing yoga just once a week yeah. at the moment. So. Is that by yourself or like at a place? So I do it at the moment by myself. It's um part of like a program online that i've been doing it's yeah so every sunday i do yoga (laughs) it's just yeah it's literally just like in my room yeah by myself like on a yoga mat perfect that costs no money yeah exactly but yeah in the past i've definitely done classes and yeah it's really really great well you've sold it (laughs) yeah you're gonna love it trust me (laughs) i feel like it's one of those things i'm just gonna become obsessed with oh yeah 
yeah, you become hooked so quick. Yeah. <laughs> so get ready for it. Yeah. Well, then I'll just come back from India and I'll just teach it to people. Oh, God, yeah. I'm so I would, excited. Yeah, I'd come to your class. <laughs> yes. Yay. All right, so we've talked about exercise. Have we? Is there anything else that you can do to help regulate pain? Um, so another thing that I am just about to start doing mm-hmm. is um, pelvic floor physiotherapy. So yeah, um, I never really knew much about it myself. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm about to start doing that like through, um, like a, yeah, physiotherapy, um, company. So, um, I'm not too sure exactly what it entails. Yeah. I just know that there is exercises, that will help me relax my pelvic floor and it's a massive part of endometriosis is because it's the chronic nerve pain that you experience Mm. i know that um it basically your muscles are always tense because there's always always pain you're always in pain so your muscles are always 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 tense so learning how to relax those muscles um is really great for oh, it so incredible yeah i heard of something very similar recently i went and did a reiki class oh, with I've, this lady i've heard of it and she did um suggest to me to go and do womb massage mm. so probably very similar but yes. to bring energy to that area to mm. stimulate blood flow yeah and to sort of like obviously there's a lot going on down there oh yeah so maybe like that can help you know re-enliven those areas mm-hmm. as well yeah. She also mentioned focusing on like deep breathing down yes. to that area, oh, yes. which I don't do. So I'm like a chest mm. breather. Okay. So everything's up here, which is what yoga and meditation is going to help with. Yeah. But yeah, bringing life. I know it sounds really Yahoo, but yeah. back down to that area. Oh yeah. I think yeah. that sounds like a very yes. cool idea. Yeah, so yes, I definitely do a lot of deep breathing, whether it's yeah, just well, to, pain yeah, pretty much. I was gonna say <laughs> trying to breathe, yeah, breathe through the pain. Oh, poor <laughs> but, darling. But yeah, so I'm really excited to start the pelvic floor physiotherapy. I know that <laughs> it's definitely going to be something that, um, like a lot of other women that are doing it have sort of had their babies or you know that's like usually what pelvic floor physiotherapy is for is for women who have had like just had a baby so um yeah it's going to be a bit odd because I'm probably going to be the only 21 year old there (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so um that is really exciting you're Mm. gonna have to let me know how that goes I will yeah Yeah. so it's exciting (laughs) so did I see on Instagram were you going to be doing the FODMAP diet? Yes, so I'm also in the process of doing that. And yeah, well, like I said, there's a lot of different aspects of my life that endometriosis affects. And again, being a uni student, I've sort of unfortunately got to pick and choose the costs of things. And yeah, well, like when you list it off, like I've got GP, I've got my specialist, Mm. I've got my physiotherapist, I've then got a dietitian. So it's like, it's a lot of... The cost of this chronic illness is more than just how it affects you symptom-wise. It's also to your wallet. Yeah, it's, yeah, a hole in my wallet. Jesus. Yeah, it's crazy. Is there any subsidy by the government for any of this? Um, at the moment in Australia, no. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, and that is um 
a lot of what people are trying to push for is because yes there are so many costs to endometriosis but it's also one of the other things that um affects is like work productivity um so costing money to businesses yeah having to take days off work or you know having to you know take a minute or like just take like 15 minutes because like I've done that myself like the amount of times that I have at work just had to you know run into the toilet because the pain is too much or um, I just know that I'm about to have a flare-up is crazy and yeah that's lost work productivity so yeah people don't realize that yeah it's just more money yeah exactly so yeah, I'm hoping that um, that will definitely be something that happens in the future. And I know that this year just gone like, well, in 2018, there was more money put towards endometriosis by the Australian government. So that's a good thing. That's a great thing. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah, finally. And it's definitely nowhere near the amount of money that is spent on other things like we were talking about before, like asthma and diabetes, the amount mm. of money that goes into those things yeah. versus things like endometriosis the gap is huge so and it more needs to be done yeah and how do you think that that's going to come about awareness awareness is like the number one thing and if like myself like a 21 year old girl can start up a page on instagram and tell everybody what this disease is and even though it can be quite personal at times and quite I love no. the TMI. Yeah, like, details. Too much information, but yeah, here it is. Here it is, exactly. And that's like, what it needs to be. People getting... want to hear your vulnerable moments mm. because it makes you feel like you are one of them. Yeah. And we are. We're all the same. Yeah, exactly. So um, if I can just even get people to start a conversation about it and spread that awareness and raise awareness, then... I'm doing my job. <laughs> Absolutely, you are. Hey. I know that March was Endometriosis Awareness Month. Yes. Where did I see your pretty little face? <laughs> um, so I was approached by the GT magazine mm-hmm. with the Geelong advertiser. Um, yeah, to which is a big deal in Geelong. Yes, <laughs> it is. <laughs> it was amazing. So yeah, um, basically like yeah and said to them like oh yes well it is endometriosis awareness month um so yeah they came to me and um like interviewed me basically just asked me what my story was and yeah that got whacked in the magazine and amazing and honestly like I can't even like describe the amount of people who after that article got published like have either like come up to me in person um and said like oh my god like I didn't even know you had this like good on you for you know saying your story or yeah just people even messaging me like directly off my Instagram account being like oh my goodness I have this too like thank you so much for like sharing your story and bringing awareness to this like it's the whole reason why I started it Mm, so it's very much like a full circle moment yeah yeah it was crazy yeah I share those really nasty moments of my life yeah exactly so yeah because change only comes after awareness has been raised Mm, exactly so here's hoping that the more awareness there is the more money goes into funding it yeah and more answers come to the surface exactly yeah Mm. I would really hate to think um if 
if I can and when I can have a family in the future, that if I was to have a daughter, that she doesn't have to be brought up in this exact same situation with barely any awareness, barely any funding. So, yeah, yeah that's one thing. That that's I... what we're working towards, yes, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. And you mentioned your Instagram. Where can the listeners find you? So on Instagram, my account is at chronically.amina. So, yes, you can give me a follow there. And yeah. I talk about all sorts of different things and share all sorts of different details about how I live like I my ev- yeah everyday life living with a chronic illness yeah. so yeah so what does the future hold for you for me um I hope next year I have plans for in March endometriosis awareness month I'm hoping to hold um my own high tea that's one uh way that they raise money for <laughs> the disease so I'm hoping to sort of organize somewhere having, yeah <laughs> like hopefully I can get you know a couple people involved and do like yeah. maybe like some raffles that sort of thing so cool. yeah I'm hoping that will be on the cards next year but um yeah even just something I would love to go to like primary schools or even high schools and like tell my story because when we do go through primary school and high school we aren't taught you know in health class that we're taught about all of the normal things you know like this is girls this is boys and this is how we all work but we are not told that actually this can also happen and this actually does affect one in ten women or that sort of thing so um that would be another thing i'd love to see in the future is i love that yeah teaching Mm. children from a young age that yes this is a chronic illness and yes if you know one in ten women then you know someone that has endometriosis exactly and yeah, it would you yeah. you'd actually be surprised how many people you would know that have it but just yeah. don't speak up about it. No. So And because it is a silent illness, you know, people mm. are afraid to talk about it. Yeah. There are some symptoms that people don't want to talk about. Mm. And so there are people out there that are silently struggling. Yeah. And um, how isolating is that? Oh, so, so isolating. And that's another thing too, is that endometriosis is an invisible illness too because you know exactly like mental health is that you can't look at you can't tell by looking at me that I would have endometriosis yeah (laughs) thank you but it is something that is invisible and Mm. people don't understand that you can live with an illness as debilitating as this but still look fine yeah Um, there are definitely days where I do not look fine (laughs) (laughs) and definitely days that yeah I should not be going out and looking the way I do but it's just yeah exactly that's just owning it yeah it's just like oh well that's it that's the acceptance of it all yeah you know this is me for now yeah exactly but um yeah just because an illness is invisible doesn't make it any less of an illness yeah so yeah another thing that is a massive part of it but yeah is there anything that you would like to share with the listeners before we finish up today one thing that I would say is that if there are any girls or women out there who if listening today think that you know you have some of the same symptoms that I did and do um, or you do feel as though you are having painful periods or you just you just feel as though something isn't right 
I would just say that you know your body better than anybody else does and you should push to get help and you if your GP knocks you back or your specialist knocks you back and you are not happy with the way that they have treated you or the way that they have sort of dismissed your symptoms please keep pushing because there is no other like you know yourself better than anyone else so just be be your own you know whatever it is fighter or person like be your own yeah. you, like you know be your own savior just, yeah just do not give up go get mm. you know go to five million gps if you have yeah to, until one of them takes you seriously yeah that's the other thing i would say too is that this illness is invisible and that some people don't take it seriously but please keep pushing because mm-hmm. it's to, serious because it is serious and it is one of those things that you are gonna have better chances if you catch it early exactly so yep. keep pushing because yeah you'll get there <laughs> thank you beautiful girl for being here <laughs> thank you you are so strong <laughs> Keep doing you, keep sharing your story because it is helping so many people out there. All right, thank you so much for having me. What you are doing also is amazing, and thank you so much for the opportunity. You're welcome. What a bloody rock star! Endo is a nasty illness, and there are so many people struggling but almost zero awareness out there. And like we mentioned earlier, if you heard things today and you think to yourself that you might have endo too, please go out there and ask to be checked and do not stop until you have answers. I want to thank you guys for joining me today and I hope you have learned lots and lots from this very amazing girl. If you have been enjoying this podcast, please head over and show me some love by hitting the subscribe button. That brings us to the end of this amazing episode. So please go out there, be bold, be fearless and be kind.